Just yesterday on the Wake Forest game preview, I said, I don't think Carolina's found the secret sauce yet that they found last year with Brady Manick. But you know what? I think they might have just found something against Wake Forest. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Pat Kilby and I want to wish a special happy 15th birthday to our guy, Braden Mayberry. Braden, happy birthday, buddy. Hope it's a great one for you. Go get that learner's permit or something cool. We want to welcome you into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. As we've already said, that's our guy, Coach Pat Kilby, with us. Not Wednesday like normal, but on a Thursday. Coming up on the show today, we're just going to unpack this Wake Forest game. We've got the four corners recap that we always do. Got a shady stat of the game. Since Pac's with me, we're going to have a Kilby stat of the game. We're going to have some odds and ends, just throw-ins that we didn't get to in other places. But first, Pac, the place we got to start is with... Man, I really legitimately think this could be the thing, the secret sauce, the secret ingredient, whatever you want to call it, that helps Carolina find out how do we best utilize some combination of who we have to make us the best version of ourselves. Unfortunately, it came because uh, Pete Nance missed almost the entirety of this game with more back troubles, but the entire final 14 minutes and nine seconds of this game was a three-guard lineup of R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, freshman Seth Trimble, Leaky Black, and Armando Baycott. So it's the four-fifths of the remaining Iron Five plus Seth Trimble. Pack, you and I have talked a lot about that we would love, especially like even this summer leading up, we said, man, I'd love to see a three-guard lineup from Hubert Davis. And boy, did he give it to us in spades in this game. And boy, did it pay off as Carolina used a strong defensive effort in the second half to wind up with this nine-point victory over Wake Forest. What are your takeaways from what I think could be the turning turning around point of this season? Yeah, it, it absolutely could be what makes the difference for us. And, you know, to me, the biggest takeaway was how much better it makes us defensively. Yes. Um, the game is just the way it's evolved and the way it's changed, we're almost always going to see teams roll at least three guards, sometimes four guards out onto the floor. And we've kind of been, I know that coach Davis has wanted to switch a lot of screens and handoffs. And we've been putting Armando and Pete Nance in these situations where it's like tough for them to stay in front of the ball. And tonight, you know, Wake Forest does a lot of that stuff. They, they run a heavy, heavy guard lineup out there and, um, we just matched up so much better with them. It made us better defensively. But then, you know, I I say that, and Trimble goes and has a career high tonight and just plays <laughs> really well offensively. Yeah. And you know, to me, I think he adds just so, so much to our team. And his um, – I know he's just a freshman, but, gosh, he plays like a junior. He yeah. just has a, has a calming presence. He values the ball. He can get to the rim. He makes his teammates better. He feeds Baycott. Uh, just does so many things well, and I really think the three guard lineup makes us makes us tough to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Like when when 
Trimble came into the game at 1409. It was while Armando Baycott was shooting free throws. Carolina's down 56-52. At the end of the game, Carolina wins by nine points, 88-79. So that means in that stretch of this three-guard lineup, Carolina was plus 13 the rest of the way. And so, listen, you're not Leaky Black's not going to score 18 a night. We know that. Congrats to Leaky, by the way. That's awesome. Seth Trimble's probably not going to get 11 every night. But goodness, even if you could get a combined 15 to 20 out of these two guys, you'd feel good about it, given what you know you're going to get out of some combination of Davis, Baycott, and Love on on a night-in, night-out kind of basis. And so one question I do want to ask with it, that something you just said brought up, because of Wake Forest's guard-heavy lineup, especially some undersized guards that I know Coach Steve Forbes is worried about for Wake Forest, might this three guard lineup be be somewhat matchup dependent? It certainly could be, uh, and honestly, with Coach Davis's like sub patterns, I think he does a lot of matchup dependent stuff. Um, but to me, and where I would like to see us start trending as a team is be the matchup problem. Why are we yeah. always the ones yeah. adjusting? Let's yep. be the ones that roll what we think is best for us out there. And let's be a problem for them. Make them adjust to us. That was something I mean, Coach Williams always talked about. Yeah, I think it's really important because – and here's the deal. Look, if you if you spend all your time as a team adjusting to everybody you play, you'll be a jack of all trades and master of none. And, and you'll have an identity problem. Exactly. And that's, and that's what we need to have. We need to have things mastered as far as what our identity is, what our roles are, what what we expect of ourselves. And then the rest will come off of that, you know? And so I'd like to see us take on that approach as opposed to matching up to whoever it is we're playing. Absolutely. I'm all on board with that pack. That's a great take right there. Let's look at if, if Carolina was to utilize this lineup more and if Pete Nance is going to be out for any extended period of time, I, th- I mean, legitimately, it's the thing that makes most sense to me. I, I would love to see Coach Davis roll this out as a starting lineup at some point. Just like, why not try it? You know, you got a 30 plus game season. Give it a shot. But I, I do want to think about what are the pros of doing this and what are the cons? And so let's start with what are, what are the things? And, and I want to hear this from like your coach's viewpoint. Like w- when you think about the positives of rolling with this three guard lineup, why was it so successful? Well, for one, we have four guys on the court that can handle the ball at that point, you know, and with uh, Armando being the best of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, he was our best passer tonight. That's so. right. Led the team yeah. in assists. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I mean, to me, the tempo was really good with those with, you know, Leaky can bring it up or Trimble or Davis or um, Love. And so our tempo was really good. I think that um, we stretched the defense with, you know, three guards out there, uh, plus Leaky hitting shots the way that he did. But then every one of them is a threat to get to the lane, too. And it can collapse the defense real quick. And, you know, guys that, like I know, I know we're talking about having three guards on the floor, but Leaky and Trimble are both so unselfish, and they do a really good job of getting the ball to Baycott, and that makes us a lot better too. I mean, we already know that. I think everybody knows that, but they're just so good about it. And then once they feed it to him, they move off the ball really well. 
And so to me, I know we haven't seen a ton of that lineup, but we saw 14 minutes of it tonight, and I thought their chemistry was just really, really good. I thought they played well together on both both ends of the floor. Yeah, I think that spacing you just talked about is a massive deal. That's one of the things with Pete Nance in the equation that Carolina doesn't have that they did have with Brady last year. Part of why that worked so well and all those pieces fit is because he's such a good floor stretcher along with RJ Caleb and, and Leakey's to give both Baycott room to operate by himself and to give more driving lanes for those guards to be able to penetrate. And so I think this three guard lineup gives a little bit more of that than you otherwise have had a lot of this season. Not to mention there's also DeMarco Dunn, who we've seen in some of these lineups as well this year. I don't think it's as dynamic a lineup with Dunn replacing any of those other three guys, but it certainly is a possibility to spell any of them if you want to make the three-guard lineup a more consistent thing. One of the cons that I think about is the potential of height mismatches and disadvantages on the defensive end of the court. But, Pac, I know one of the things you think a lot about is um, talking about what a great defender Seth Trimble is, even when he gets switched off onto other bigs. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He's so impressive and you may have been the first person to mention it to me, but you know how just how well he stays vertical. Um, you know, there were several times tonight he was switched on to Wake Forest bigs, and he just walls up with his chest. He lowers his body, and man, he's just he forces them to shoot over him, and and they didn't hit a single one of them tonight. Now, will that be the case consistently? You know, I don't know, but gosh, he just does his job. He does it well. He forces them to shoot over the top, and. Um, to me, you know, I, he's just really impressive. And, and not only does he guard those bigs so well, he can out jump them. You know, he rebounds well. He, <laughs> like, like we mentioned, he was tied for team, the team lead in blocks. And I mean, he just, gosh, he's so strong and athletic that he presents just like it's, you, you may, you may think you have a height advantage on a switch, but you don't have a strength or an athletic advantage. So it kind of evens out. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if only he could teach some of the front court guys how to keep that verticality, we'd be in good shape. I don't know what it is. Like, how hard is it? I know you want to block shots. Just do this. Yeah, You can get points back. You can't get fouls back. I think it's Jay Billis that always says that, and I'm right on with that. And, and another thing, we, we can talk about this more in the days, weeks, and months ahead, but this, this three-guard philosophy – could be a long-term solution for Coach Hubert Davis. Yeah, I mean, you look at Simeon Wiltshire coming in, you look at Elliot Cadeau coming in, maybe even um, reclassifying to 23. And so I think it is definitely a way forward if you've got the right type of guys. And, and that's a big key to it. We've seen that at Baylor a lot in their run of success, just have had phenomenal, phenomenal guards, although they lost on Tuesday night. So I guess we can't blow them up all that much, but TCU is a really good basketball team. So there is that. Well, we want to get into our four corners recap. We're going to give you our shady stat of the game and our Kilby stat of the game, all that coming up in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet On. Line, who's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis? Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, they've got it all. So make sure to check out the line for Saturday's game against Notre Dame for the Tar Heels. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get all your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. 
Bet online where the game starts. So, Mr. Pat Kilby, every game, uh, when we recap it, what we do is we have what we call a four corners recap. It's a way to uh, pay homage to Coach Dean Smith and his famed four corners offense. And so we've got four things lined up and, and we want to unpack those. So let's just bounce back and forth. I'll take the first one and then let you grab the next one. It is, we, we talked about uh, the defense that this three guard lineup was able to play. And to further that point, the second half, it was the defense that turned into offense that got Carolina going and really, I thought turned the tide in the second half pack. Um, allowing them, they, they finished with a season-high 32 points off of turnovers due to the Tar Heels, besting the mark they set against Ohio State a couple weeks ago in the Garden, 27 points off of turnovers in that one, which was an overtime game, by the way. So there's that. So 32 points off of turnovers for Carolina in this one. And to me, that is a, another part of the recipe for success for this thing. If you're consistently being disruptive, Seth Trimble, Leaky Black. And then I really thought their level of disruption bled into the rest of the guys. It felt like RJ and Caleb really stepped up their perimeter defense as well as Seth was doing that. And I just think it's contagious. And I think that could be a big, big time thing for the Tar Heels. It's absolutely contagious. And one of the things I noticed tonight, especially in that final 14 minutes that we had mentioned in the first segment, our ball pressure was really good and we were really doing a great job of the first two or three dribbles that wake was putting it on the floor. We were still square right in front of them. That's right. And you, what you would notice was they'd pick their dribble up and that that's when we would do a great job of being in deny. And that led to a lot of deflections and steals for us and which turned into transition points. And um, to me, it, it's contagious, right? Like Trimble started it and, Davis got into a couple of people's chili there and, all <laughs> up and uh, you know, love even love drives me a little crazy sometimes. Cause sometimes, you know, he waits till he hits a shot before he plays hard on defense, uh, but he did it a couple of times tonight. And so um, to me, if we can sustain that and we can get that moving forward, boy, I think that could be a real staple for us. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as not just getting points offensively, easy points offensively, but, making that a staple for us defensively too. Yeah, absolutely. Pack, what's that second of our four corners recap? Uh, the second is free throws. Um, <laughs> once again tonight, we just did a great job of getting to the free throw line. Um, 19 of 24 from the free throw line, which was 79%. And um, the stat that you had you know, brought to, to my attention was that we're top five in the nation in free throw shot per game and top five in the nation in free throws made per game. And so, obviously, it's a staple to what we do. And um, once again, it came through tonight. This It was uh, 19 made free throws for us and 13 for them, so a six-point advantage for the Tar Heels. And, um, boy, did we need all six of them. You know, I mean, just, just huge for us to get that win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, and it's consistent Carolina, I mean, averaging – 25-ish free throw attempts a game and as you said hitting a lot of them and so got to continue to do that it's it's going to be one of one of the most if not the most important 
um, source of offense for this team all season long, especially with the variability of this team's three-point shooting. It's just a thing. Next, we want to talk about turnovers in our Four Corners recap. Why? Tar Heels had eight in the first half, three within the first three minutes of the game. Caleb Love had four in the first half, finished with four, much to his credit. But here's what's good news, Mr. Coach Pat Kilby. The second half, Carolina had just one turnover, and it came with eight seconds left in the game, at which point the game was already essentially salted away. And so what we bring this up to point out, yikes, first half, but to say phenomenal job of reining it in in the second half. And I think it speaks again to what happens when you have three legit backcourt ball handlers and Leaky Black, who himself has, um, in his Carolina career, played some point guard spot duty when he had to. And so, man, what, what they're able to do with that, with holding on to the ball. Meanwhile, Wake Forest has 15 turnovers in the game. Carolina's being very disruptive, and so that's a great thing. Something that you had mentioned to me uh, before we started recording is you had seen some, I can't even remember now who it was on Twitter, but had said, it's amazing how when Carolina isn't turning the ball over at a high rate, how effective and efficient they are offensively. To wit, for the game, Carolina averaged 1.25 points per possession in this thing. For the second half, when they only turned it over once, one and a half points per possession. For those who aren't really familiar with this stat, the kind of the benchmark you're looking for is one point per possession. Carolina was 1.26 for the game, 1.25 for the second half. Impressive stuff. Hold on to the ball. Don't turn it over. Value that thing like candy. Pack, what's our last four corners recap? Yeah, yeah number four to round this thing out is just – the fact that we were doing such a good job of making Armando a priority in the second half. Yes, absolutely. And um, gosh, did he, did he capitalize and take advantage? You know, I mean, I think he had four, four assists in the second half alone That's um, right. because the defense was collapsing. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, Trimble cut off of him and they had the little post entry. Oh, that was beautiful. It was beautiful, it was beautiful basketball. Um so we saw several of those. He took advantage and got to the free throw line. He got some buckets around the rim, and he got some kickouts for some catch and shoot threes. And so, um, you know, to me, that wasn't, you know, in the in the past few games, it has been a priority to get him the ball early. They've been doing better with it for sure. They have, yeah. And then today, they kind of went away from that. And I know to an extent, I don't know, you know, how much you noticed, but Wake Forest they weren't guarding Leaky. You know, they were putting another guy in the lane and they were trying to help on Armando. I know that was their kind of their strategy. And so maybe that that deterred us from from entering the ball to the post maybe as much as we wanted. But when Leaky got a few of those to fall and they had to start honoring that, then that's got to be a priority is to get that thing back inside. And we just didn't do a great job in the first half and we did in the second half. Yeah. yeah. We settled down, we got him the ball, we played off of it. And that makes us dangerous offensively. Yeah. I really wish I had the time and inclination. I'd love to count his post touches um, to just see like how many of Carolina's possessions is he legitimately getting a post touch on? Because if it's not every possession, you're doing something wrong. That's the construction of this team. It has to be possession after possession after possession because he's going to, he's not a black hole. He's going to make the right play one thing I do want to nitpick on Mondo is 
legitimately, he was not getting a, a good whistle in this game. There were multiple times when foul should have been called, but the problem was that he would like hang around and argue with the ref and, and like Wake Forest is already back on the other end of the court. I know you're frustrated with the foul calls or lack thereof. I would be too, but you got to go play defense. You can talk to the refs at a timeout. That, that just kind of broiled me a little bit in this one. Well, folks, we want to give you our shady and Kilby stats of the game and some odds and ends from this one that we haven't gotten to yet. Stay with us. We're going to do that in just a second. I know you're anxious to hear them, but before we do so, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories. I get it. It's January. You're making those resolutions. You got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. That's one of my goals too. And so things like Built Bars can help you get the right nutrition inside of you because healthy is actually tasty with Built. Seriously, you're so deli- they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they are. What makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, churro. Yes, churro, Pat Kilby, and peanut butter brownie. Not sure how Built does it, but they're always so good. And it's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. So head to your nearest Walmart today. Why? Because now you don't just have to order Built Bars. You can get them at Walmart. That is such great news because Walmart is like two minutes of that way. So I'm going to go pick up a box, grab myself some cookies and cream. I'm probably going to get those churros if we're being honest. So if you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13 bar box with any of the hit flavors and make sure you get some of those churros, man. You're going to thank me later. I know you will. Go to Built.com or Sam's Club or Walmart and get your box today. All right, Pat Kilby, let's start in with our Kilby stat and our Shady stat. Why don't you go first? Sure. Yeah, to me, um, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of hoopla around, are our guards going to start hitting shots? (laughs) Can they keep shooting the the three this bad? Is it possible? Well, RJ finally came through for us tonight or last night and had – Five, five threes, five of eight from the three-point line. Um, and it was just like, finally, you know, just finally. He finally broke through, had a great consistent night from the three-point line, hit some tough contested shots, yes, too, you know. The typical RJ, like, <laughs> yeah, he hits the easy ones, and he can hit the tough ones, too. And it finally felt like it was just clicking for him. So, for me, that's the Kilby stat of the game. And, and I, just while you were talking, I, I was curious because like, I feel like RJ's been shooting a little better recently. The past three games, so going back to the Michigan game, he's hit 10 of his last 21. That's 47.6% in the past three games. So, Pat Kilby, our guy RJ, he might be heating up, and if so, that is great news. For me, the shady stat of the game is the other 20-point scorer in this one, and that's Armando Baycott, who has – Scored 20 or more points now in four, count them, four straight games. Why is that important? It's the first time in his career that he's strung together a quad of games in which he scored 20 or more points. 28 against Ohio State, 26 against Michigan. What up? We need to play a Big Ten school apparently every game. (laughs) He scored 22 and 21 against Wake Forest. Curiously, though, no dub-dub in this one. He only only got nine rebounds but Armando Baycott 
doing it. And that's also not only four in a row, but five of the last six since coming back from missing the Virginia Tech game in which he's had 20 points. I hate that you lose that game against Virginia Tech, but I think it was the right thing for him to do to sit out and get ready to come back. So, Pac, let's hit some of these odds and ends. We've compiled a list of several things we want to make sure that we touch on before we get out of here. Um, and so, folks, would love to hear some of your odds and ends from this game as well. What are some of the things that stood out to you, maybe that we haven't touched on yet, or maybe things we have that you agree or disagree with? would love to hear your thoughts on the three-guard lineup, for example. First thing, Pac, that we want to touch on here is uh, the, the Pete Nance of it all. This poor guy was struggling with some, some back spasm-y kind of stuff in the uh, the loss at Pitt, and then um, foul, committed a foul less than two minutes into this game and checked out. And I was just like, oh, quick quick trigger from Coach Davis tonight. And uh, But it turns out, man, the, the back is still causing them problems. Went to the locker room. Not only did he not come back in the game, never even returned to the bench, at least that I saw. Pac, did you ever see him come back out from the locker room? No, I never did. Yeah. And so, um, but what's also curious about that is who was it that came in for him? Jalen Washington, first sub off the bench. Two quick fouls from him. So Justin McCoy comes in and plays the majority, honestly, of the first half. I believe that he had, let me get back to the home stats here. Uh, Sorry, Justin McCoy had 11 minutes in the first half, I think 17 total for the game. Yeah, and so Justin McCoy is the one that got the majority of the run in his stead. But as we know, in the second half, it turned into that three-guard lineup was the show. Um, Pac, what what are your thoughts about these? I I know the uh, substitution patterns from Hubert Davis drive you a little batty um, because it wasn't just Washington and McCoy. Uh, We we had some other guys who we're not sure why they aren't playing more either. Yeah, I mean, you've got Puff that finished with four or five minutes tonight. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. It it is a little odd, our sub patterns. And, you know, to me, I don't like it because it never feels like we get into a clearly defined role. And I think we were, you've mentioned it, that we were a little spoiled with Roy because he was dead set, you know, in, in the way that he subbed and, and maybe I'm just used to that. I don't know, but I like, I like when the players have clearly defined roles and they know what each game is going to entail. I'm going to be the first one off the bench, and this is what I give to the team. Whereas right now we're kind of in a state where, I mean, if you're Puff, unless unless there's like an underlying injury that we don't know about that they're just trying to be careful with. That's a great point. That's a great point. It's kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, like I get out there when I play, I play well. And then the next game I only play four minutes. It's like, what is this about? You know, you never get comfortable. You never get into a role or groove. And to me, I don't like that, and I would like to see us establish some of that, especially now that we're in the back half of the season. And today may have been a great start for that. You know, Trimble may have solidified himself as the first one off the bench, um, given the fact that hopefully Pete Nance is is healthy and he's back. Um, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to me to see kind of where we go with with how we use the bench. But I definitely think that we're – we're trending in the right direction. Yeah, I think so. And it's something I've always tried to figure out Hubert Davis's sub thing. And, and a, a comparison just came to me for the first time. It's kind of like, like I'm a Braves fan, huge baseball fan, went to college on a baseball scholarship. It's kind of like if Brian Snitker 
goes out and calls in the closer uh, in the second inning for no random, for no apparent reason other than just like, hey, Max Fried, I'm tired of looking at you and you're left-handed. I want uh, Kenley Jansen to come in and uh, finish off the second inning and and then we'll go with, uh, I don't know, Mike Soroka in the third. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like these these relievers, they get, they know their role and they know what they're supposed to do. But if you can't mentally prepare yourself in that way, I think it doesn't lead to good cohesion. So I, I love all your points there. A uh, couple other odds and ends. Was great to see homie Marcus Page sitting at the scores table on uh, Tuesday, on Wednesday night. Excuse me. Unfortunately, he was sitting on the wrong side of it. You'd love to see him sitting down there ready to check in. But uh, his arm was in a sling, so clearly he couldn't have. Uh, we want to shout out R.J. Davis, who with his five first half points becomes Carolina's 81st pack, 81st 1,000-point score. That's the most of any program in the entire nation. The second closest is Villanova, who has 70. Um, uh, pack, one, one other thing I do want to point out is it, it's while we we're talking about it being a good stretch for RJ, it's just been a tough go for Caleb last couple games. Three of 15 in this one has scored just seven points um, in each of those games, 14 total. He did have that one uh, three from the top of the lane, but he was one for seven from three. It's like, come on. like And so you, you got to expect better things and better days are ahead. You, at least you hope so, but you've seen it from him before. And so I just don't always know what to make of that. And then the final thing I want to point out and then see if you got anything else is Carolina was able to put away Wake Forest. They never got it. They I think it got into double digits like one time and then Wake got it back to nine. But against Pitt, there were three different times when the lead got up to eight or nine. And then the Panthers were able to rein back in the Tar Heels and ultimately win the game. Um, Carolina didn't really allow that to happen in the stretch. Um, in the closing stretch there where, where they were going and um, that, that three guard lineup really held things in check for the Tar Heels. And so um, any of that you want to look back at and comment on pack, you know, to me, I'll just make the comment to me. I think we're definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah. And I'm concerned saying that. And I know everybody else is because how many times have we thought that this season and just to be let down the next game or, yeah. you know, so because I, I thought that after Michigan and Ohio State, and then yeah. the pit game was a letdown. So they like me, threw all that away. <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah, they did. And so in the Allegheny River. Yeah. So we need some consistency. I would love to see that from them. And that doesn't mean, you know, every player plays well all the time, but just as a team, we have our identity. We're moving forward, we're progressing. Give us some consistency. Um, so hopefully we go get us a big win against Notre Dame. We don't drop another one in conference play. Yeah, man. I feel like Notre Dame always kind of gives Carolina fits, at least the Roy Williams Tar Heels fits. I, yeah. I think the Hubert Davis model Tar Heels are more set to play a Notre Dame team, uh, kind of similar to how, how they look better against Virginia than Roy Williams Carolina teams did. And so we will definitely preview that on tomorrow's show on Friday ahead of the game. But as for today, that's it for this episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You can follow Pack, our guy on Twitter at coach underscore K23. You can follow me at Isaac Shade or the show at Locked on Heels. 
Would love to have longer conversations or more conversations with you. You can email us lockedontarheels at gmail.com. Make sure you get in those nominations for the heel of the week and the heel of the week. We'll do that on tomorrow's show. For your next listen of the day, check out Locked On Sports Today. Biggest stories, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Folks, don't forget to subscribe, smash that like button, and comment on the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you haven't subscribed, please, please do. It helps us so much. Really appreciate you hanging out with us on a Thursday celebrating this victory because, folks, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Pack, you know what time it is. Until tomorrow, peace.